0: and welcome to B Boomer Unleashed episode 63 Life After High School part 10 The Cost of Education is today's episode I'm Jerry Lake the Unleashed Baby Boomer and I'll be your host for today's episode and for all the episodes of B Boomer Unleashed before we get into today's episode let me remind you as always where you can always find our podcast you can find us at B Boomer Unleashed Dot .podbean.com You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at Boomer Unleashed on iHeartRadio at B. Boomer Unleashed. You can also find our link on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram at Boomer Unleashed, and you can find us on Twitter at Unleash one and as always we encourage you to drop us an email if you would at BeBoomerUnleashed at gmail.com once again, that's unleashed at gmail.com. Well, let's go on into today's episode 63 of Life After High School, Part 10. As you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, we've been talking about life after high school. In our first episode in this series, we talked about what was available to baby boomers following high school. You know, I was one of those baby boomers. And folks in my generation uh, were able to leave high school with a high school diploma, march down to one of the local factories, and get a really nice paying job that they could spend the whole life doing if they chose to do that. They could get an apprenticeship. They could get on-the-job training. We had at that time so many jobs, so many manufacturing jobs in the area. Many high school students even dropped out of high school and went to work in one of the factories. Well, that's not particularly the case nowadays, is it? There's a lot of uh, people who uh, really can't find a decent job right out of high school. So we've been talking about some ways that a person could get employment or at least training to get employment following high school, and some of that follows a college path. But there are many ways that we've talked about that you really don't have to go to college to find one of these careers, but it requires some kind of preparation beyond high school if you're going to be a productive member of society, and we hope that that's what your kids and grandkids want to be. Uh, But we talked about those things that were available to the baby boomers uh, following high school. Then in the next episode, we talked to a former student, Josh Bloss, who chose a path other than a four-year degree, and he has found himself in a uh, career where he... Uh, is working uh, for a company in the area and he's made a good career of that and he's also um, uh, written some books and he's a published author and he's done very well as a family and uh, we're proud of 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 josh for what he's done there even though he didn't choose a four-year degree then we spoke with frank barnett he was the vocational director for cabell county schools and we talked about opportunities that they had in vocational school, not just in Cabell County, but vocational schools in general. This is a this is a thing that parents and students have overlooked for a number of years. The vocational school used to have a stigma attached to it. You know, if you can't go to college, if you're not college material, then you go on to the vocational school. And it was kind of a Kind of a stigma test that, and the kids who showed up at the vocational school were rejects. They only went there because they couldn't make it in college. Well, that's not true. That's not true. They have many, many technical technical programs and high tech uh, opportunities there at the vocational center, not only for students while they are in high school, but they have programs after high school, and you can go back and listen to that episode and talk about the wonderful opportunities that are available there at the Cabell County Vocational Technical Center and vocational centers like that around West Virginia and around the United States. Then we talked to a young lady by the name of Tracy McClanahan, who is also a former student of mine, but she is a teacher at Barbersville Middle School. And they teach a program, a fairly new offering, that's entitled uh, Career Literacy. And they have combined the reading curriculum with a career exploration program to help students in the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade to explore different career opportunities to help them make a choice as to what career path they might be on when they go into high school and beyond. And Tracy is doing a... uh, Good job over at Barbersville Middle School doing that. And we, uh, uh, we applaud their efforts, uh, not only at Barbersville Middle School, but the other middle schools in the county for this career literacy program that is designed to help these kids make some decisions. Most high school seniors that you talk to, a lot of folks in college, you say, Well, what are you going to do when you get out of school? Well, I don't know. I haven't decided yet, you know. So, programs like this help students. Uh, at an earlier age, begin to make some sort of decision about what they want to do when they leave school. So Tracy McClanahan, career literacy teacher at Barbersville Middle School, talked to us about that. Then we talked with, uh, had an interview with my son-in-law, Tony Stroud, who is an, who is an attorney with Encova Insurance Company, and we talked about careers in law and what a person should do to prepare for a career in law, and how it's not all glitz and glamour like you see it on the TV, uh, on these uh, attorney shows and, and police shows and things. That's not what it's about. The attorney, being an attorney is hard, tiresome, laborious work many times. And uh, some attorneys make a lot of money. Some attorneys don't make so much money. But Tony told us a bit about, what was required, and what a person should do in kind of preparing for that career in law. And if you want to go back and listen to that episode, it's there for you as well. Then we talked about the 30 hottest college degrees to obtain in 2020. And we went down through that top 20 list and talked about if you're going to college, if that's the route that you want to go, these are the 20 hottest degrees that you can obtain in 2020. Then we talked about some good careers that don't necessarily require a college degree. There are many opportunities out there for students today to follow a career path that does not necessarily require a college degree. Now, it will require some type of preparation, either on-the-job training, a two-year technical degree, some sort of postgraduate study, uh, but it's, it's important to understand that not everyone has to go to college to become gainfully employed. And we talked about those careers that don't necessarily require a college degree. Then uh, we talked about careers with a calling. Uh, those folks who are called into full-time Christian service, either as a pastor, evangelist, or a missionary. And we talked about how folks prepared for that kind of career and that that was not something that we just woke up one morning and decided, well, I'm going to be a missionary. That comes from God's calling on a person's life and, and that person answering that call. Then we talked to serial entrepreneur Rich Edwards, and Rich is uh, the uh, owner. He and his wife, Jennifer, own a furniture store furniture store in Taze Valley, West Virginia, Uh, that's called Village Heirlooms, and they sell uh, handmade Amish furniture, and it's beautiful furniture. And Rich has uh, talked about entrepreneurship in general and the businesses that he has been involved uh, with through the years and some of the characteristics that are important for a person with that entrepreneurial spirit to follow that. And there are many folks who choose to be entrepreneurs in today's society, now this week we're going to talk about the cost of education, and if we get a value for our, for our investment, we're going to talk primarily about college education today. But we'll talk about some other options as well. But thanks to our many listeners out there who have made suggestions. For episodes on this life after high school, and a lot of we probably got more response on this than nearly any episodes that we aired as far as suggestions and you know we have enough episodes, enough interviews, enough careers uh to explore in life after high school, probably to go on for another ten episodes, but we're going to take a little break after today we're going to. Uh, Move on to something else, and we'll tell you a little more about that at the end of this episode. But we'll come back. We'll come back to life after high school, and I promise you that all of those folks out there, all of you who made those suggestions, we are going to follow up on those suggestions, and we'll talk about those after high school opportunities a few weeks down the road. But we wanted to take a little break from this particular series and move on to something else uh, next week. And we'll be telling you about that at the end of this week's podcast. But we'll be coming back, I promise, to life after high school to explore such options like law enforcement, apprenticeship, you know, the military, the arts, medicine, and a host of other opportunities which await today's young people. To take us to that point, though, let's talk just a little bit about the cost of post-high school training and education. As we talked about uh, in the vocational episode, your son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter can get a lot of education at the vocational school to prepare them for life after high school while they are getting the regular high school diploma. It's not either-or you know they can go to Huntington high school and in in their home high school whether it be Huntington high or Cabell Midland here in Cabell County and and the process is the same in nearly educational environment in the country that they have a home high school and then they have vocational offerings at a, a specified vocational center although some uh, districts have what they call comprehensive vocational education right within the high school. And we have vocational offerings in our high schools here in Cabell County, but some counties, the vocational school, the high school, they're all in the same facility. So your son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter can prepare for life after high school while they are still going to high school. They can work on getting a skill that makes them employable after high school. And then following that, there is post-secondary education that takes place there in the vocational centers where they can come back after graduating from high school and continue their studies there at a very minimal charge. In many cases, it's absolutely free. But some of the adult education programs, they, that you have to pay a fee for that. But it's very inexpensive. Some folks choose to go to a two-year technical college where they can get a degree in such things as secretarial studies or medical assisting or, or computer science or those kinds of things that don't require necessarily a four-year degree, but you can go to those places for less money than you can obtain a college education for, and you can be ready for the workforce in two years instead of four. But a lot of folks, and we want to kind of zero in on this cost of education today for those folks who might be considering a path down the uh, college road, those who say, well, you know, I want a four-year degree, and that's okay. You know, I have a bachelor's degree, I have a master's degree, I have a PhD, you know, we have all of those uh, degrees. But that was something that I wanted to do, and I think you have to have a desire to have that college degree to uh, further that education in that respect. And that, that's not saying, well, nobody should get a college degree. Everybody should go to vocational school. Or everybody should get a trade, or everybody should have an apprenticeship or whatever. No, I'm not saying that at all. It's different pathways for different people and their desires of doing what they want to do we have uh folks in uh Cabell county schools that uh work as uh custodians a very honorable profession a uh, very satisfying profession but they have multiple college degrees we mean they couldn't get a job as with the degree that they had no I'm not saying that at all they could have uh, the two uh, individuals that I'm thinking of just right off the top of my head. They could have had excellent careers doing just about anything they wanted to, but they wanted to do this job that they're doing now, but they have the education. Uh, that they got and you say, well, they just wasted that education. no, they didn't waste that education at all. Anytime you can broaden your horizons or broaden the opportunities that you have before you, it's not a waste of time and it's not a waste of money. so these uh, these folks decided that you know they went to college and they got a degree uh, or multiple degrees, but they decided they wanted to do something else and that's okay. that's okay. there's nothing. Wrong with that, well, let's talk about the cost of college. now, when I went to college, when I started Marshall University in nineteen sixty eight that was a long time ago wasn't it nineteen sixty eight a lot of things going on in nineteen sixty eight and we started Marshall University that year as a freshman now. I'm going to talk about cost of college in terms of tuition only. Now, you know and I know there's a lot of expenses involved other than just tuition to a college or university. Not only do you have the tuition, but you also have, if you live on campus, you have room and board. You have the cost of books. You have the cost of lab fees. You have a lot of costs that are tacked on there. But for the sake of this discussion, we're going to talk about tuition only. And uh, because all of these other costs, you know, they vary. And uh, depending on which pathway you take, those costs could be different. But when I went to Marshall University, my tuition, my tuition started out in 1968 at $102.50 per semester. So for $205 per year, I could pay my college tuition. That sounds rather unbelievable, doesn't it? But $205 a year, you say, well, that was 1968. You know, that's about like it is. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, let me me finish here, and we'll see how it compares. In 2020, the undergraduate tuition at Marshall University is not $205 a year. It's $8,412 a year. So you can get... Uh, Your college education as an undergraduate at Marshall University, tuition only we're talking about. If you're an in-state student, now out-of-state students, that's a whole different ballgame. The the tuition is more because the state of West Virginia helps support Marshall University, and you have to pick up that portion of support that the state doesn't give Marshall if you're an out-of-state student. So Marshall University, the tuition in 1968 was $205 a year. In 2020, it's $8,412 a year, plus books, plus fees, plus all that. You know, when I was a student at Marshall talking about books, I could buy every book I needed for about $30. Well, you can't even buy the the book jacket now for $30. I mean, the book textbook prices are just unbelievable. Well, to put things in perspective... In 1968, you could buy a Chevy Impala for $2,846 sticker price. $2,846 for a 1968 Chevy Impala. I bought a brand-new Corvette in 1972, and the sticker price was $5,865. That's the sticker price. That's not what it paid for. But the sticker was $58.65 for a 72-model, brand-spanking-new Corvette. That's unbelievable, isn't it? So in 1968, you could buy a Chevy Impala for $2,846. Today, in 2020, that same Chevy Impala, equipped comparably, is $32,490. So in 1968 the cost of that Chevy Impala was 14 times that of your college tuition. 14 times the cost of your college tuition. In 2020, the cost of that car is only four times the cost of your tuition. Wow. So why did tuition go up so much more than the cost of an automobile? You know, the car was 14 times the price of your tuition. Now that gap has narrowed until it's only four times the cost of the the tuition. Well, the car didn't get cheaper. The tuition got larger disproportionately to the price of that car. Let's think about it from this perspective. In 1968, the average wage... Now, everybody didn't make this. Some people made more. Some people made less. But the average wage nationwide in 1968 was $7,700. And the average cost of a new home in 1968 was $26,000, which was about three times your wages. Three times your wages. In 2020, the average wage... In the United States is forty nine thousand six hundred and fifty dollars, and the average cost of a new home—and this kind of blew me away—because obviously they weren't looking in my neighborhood. But the average cost of a home is three hundred and seventy three thousand dollars. That's the average nationwide. Now think of that. You know, I can't imagine buying a three hundred and seventy three thousand dollar home. But I'm in Podunk, West Virginia, right here in little old Barbersville, West Virginia. Where the price of real estate is quite a bit less than it is, say, in Washington, D.C., or New York City, or Boston, or some of these other big areas where housing is extremely expensive, where you might pay a half a million dollars for a two bedroom house. You know, you go to San Francisco, uh, the real estate there is extremely high. And I don't understand why it's so high because. Downtown San Francisco has turned into something of like a third-world country with people defecating in the streets and everything else. But the average cost of the home now is $373,000, which is seven times your wages. Seven times your wages. Now, I said all that to say this. And we look at all these students coming out of colleges and universities today with this massive student debt. And that's the reason they're all cheering Bernie on. Oh, I'm going to give you free college. I'm going to forgive your student loans. I'm going to do all that. Well, you and I are going to pay for that if Bernie ever gets his way. But these students come out with these massive student debts. Massive student debts. Now here's... Something to compare that to, in nineteen sixty-eight, that yearly tuition at Marshall University was two percent, two percent of the average wage. Two percent. So, do you think if you could, if your child could go to Marshall University for two percent? of your average wage, 2%. You know, if you make $50,000 a year, 2% of that is $1,000. Do you think maybe you could pay uh, $1,000 for your child's tuition for a year and they could stay out of this massive debt Well, I think you could. But college tuition today is about 20% of the average annual wage. So that means if you make $50,000 a year, 20% of that is $10,000. And out of that $50,000, you're not going to be able to take $50,000 home, are you? There's taxes and Social Security and everything else that comes out of that. So do you think you can pony up $10,000 and say, ah, here's 10000 bucks. Well, a lot of people have taken advantage of college savings programs, Roth IRAs, and things to save to help their ch- children or grandchildren with that education cost. But trust me when I tell you it's expensive. It's extremely expensive for your son or daughter to just pay the bare tuition today. It's unbelievable what they pay. Ohio State, for example, over $11,000 a year for in-state students. University of Michigan, 15000 If your child wants to go to Harvard, can you afford $44,900 a year for just the tuition? And again, that's just tuition. That's not room and board and books and all these other lab fees that go with it. So college is an expensive investment today. And most kids don't make it through college in four years. I think it's about five and a half years is the average now for a student to make it through a four-year college program. Because most kids are going to change majors a couple or three times along the way, and they can't get through that program in simply four years. So... Everything is really skewed in favor of the colleges and universities today. And they say, well, we don't have enough money to operate on. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough money. Well, how did you do it back in the day? Now, back in the day when 2% of the average salary could pay a kid's college tuition and now it's 20%, so either wages haven't kept up or college Tuition fees have escalated dramatically in comparison to the price of automobiles and in comparison to the wages that people are making today. So it's an expensive investment. So parents and grandparents, I beg you, I urge you, if you have little ones who you think might go to college someday, I encourage you to start a college savings plan for them. So that you'll have the money available. So if they go choose to go to college, if they choose to go to one of these programs, they won't have to be burdened down with so much student debt when they get out of college. You know, my kids, I told them when they were getting ready to go to college or they were college aides, I said, You can go to any college or university that will accept you, foreign or domestic. Wherever they will accept you, wherever you want to go, I I applaud you and you can go there. But old dad here is going to pay the equivalent of books and tuition at Marshall. So the rest of it is on your own. So, you know, Marshall looked pretty good. But, you know, I encourage you, whether you're listening in West Virginia or Ohio or Kentucky or Timbuktu, you know, wherever you are, I would encourage you to encourage your son, daughter, grandson, or granddaughter to go to college at one of the local colleges, someplace close enough where they can commute. Now, I understand that not, that's not possible for everyone, But when it's possible, I would consider it because college tuition, is it worth it? I don't know. You know, you have kids coming out of college today with $200,000 worth of college debt and more. That's a house payment, folks. That's a house payment. How do you ever expect them to own a house when they have $207,000 worth of student debt? And college loans are easy to get, easy credit. And you know what? You you can go bankrupt and you still owe your college debt. You never get away from that. Well, that's something to think about. That's something to think about. Is it worth it? I don't know. If it's worth it, I would consider working my way through college I would consider you know, going to college part-time, working full-time somewhere. It might take you a little longer to get your degree, but you're not going to have a quarter million dollars worth of college debt when you finish. So for the, you, those of you who are bound and determined to go to college, I encourage you to do it and leave college with the least debt possible. Now, when we come back to life after high school— here in several weeks when we come back to this I'm going to interview somebody from a college that's just an incredible college it's called the College of the Ozarks it's outside of Branson, Missouri they have a unique way for kids to be able to go to college there look it up online College of the Ozarks you'll be glad you did next week we're going to start a new series on the evolution of music From Boomer Days until now, we'll explore all genres of music, including rock, pop, country, gospel, bluegrass, even classical music. And our first guest next week will be Randy Bishop, who now lives in Georgia. Randy's a native of Huntington, West Virginia, a graduate of Huntington East High School. And guess what? He's a baby boomer and a guy that's been around the music scene his entire life. You won't want to miss this interview with Randy as we start down this trail of the evolution of music from boomer days until now. Like I say, we're going to cover all genres. As I told you earlier, we'll also come back to life after high school and cover the topics our listeners have asked us to discuss. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of Be Boomer Unleashed. We've certainly enjoyed being with you. We look forward to being with you again soon, but until then, have a great week. And may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.